Welcome to the Physics Buzz Podcast. I'm Mike Lucibella, reporting this week from the USA Science and Engineering Festival in Washington, D.C. More than 500 exhibits have been set up along the National Mall and Pennsylvania Avenue. Hundreds of thousands of people have shown up to see what's new and exciting about science and engineering in the nation. To show this off are some of the coolest physics demos around. So I'm Nate Harshman. I'm from American University's Physics Department, and our booth for American University is the Physics of Music. Harshman starts waving his hands around a device called a theremin. It looks like a metal box with one straight rod and one curved rod sticking out of it. I'm not touching a thing. A theremin has two electrodes, and each of them is one side of a capacitor, and the other side of the capacitor is the universe. And as you move your hands, you're changing the electric fields and changing how the circuit vibrates. People know this instrument from Beach Boys, Good Vibrations. It's the theremin in the beginning, or uh, from horror movies. There are people who play theremins for concert orchestras. There are symphony theremin players, and we are not those people. The science being done at the National Superconducting Cyclotron Lab at Michigan State University is much too small to see. They accelerate the nuclei of atoms to high speeds and collide them together to analyze what comes out. At their booth, they have a setup of PVC pipes and magnetic balls to give festival goers an idea of what's happening at the atomic scale. So I'm going to start you with um, a carbon-12 atom, which is stable. And this is the nucleus. We have six protons and six neutrons. It looks like a bunch of small uh, balls that are held together with magnets. Exactly. That's how we're going to model our nucleus. Then we have an accelerator. And today what we'll use instead of electromagnets to create our acceleration, we're going to use gravity. So we have three different energies. You can start with a low-energy acceleration, medium, or high-energy. Higher energy means faster, smashing harder. I drop my oversized carbon-12 nucleus down the PVC pipe. It goes around a curve at the bottom and smashes into another magnetic ball nucleus anchored to the ground. So, you smashed your uh, carbon-12 atom on a carbon-12 target, and you pulled off one proton and four neutrons. And so we can take a look at the chart of nuclides to see what atom you made. Five protons is boron, and you've got two neutrons. So you've got actually something that doesn't even exist, that we've never found in the lab before. If this were in the lab, what would probably happen is that this would decay into something that could be found in the lab, such as uh, maybe lithium-5 or, or one of the helium. Anya explains why this is similar to what they do in a lab and why it's important to study. What we're doing is trying to mimic things that happen in supernovae or in conditions that are hard to find on Earth using rare and exotic nuclei or atoms. So we, what we do is we create them by taking a beam of stable atoms, we speed them up to maybe half the speed of light, smash them into a target, and create these rare nuclei that we can study in the lab. So we can make environments that are really neutron-rich, which are sort of like in supernova, and see how do these stars burn. We could, for example, look at what, type, what shape the nucleus has. Some of them are more like footballs, some of them are more like pancakes, so we're interested in that. And sometimes what we also do is test the standard model, which is sort of this basic model of physics and see how well does it really describe things when you go to these extremes that are really hard to find on Earth. Speaking of collisions, I ran into Deandra Leslie Pilecki, who literally wrote the book about the physics of NASCAR, titled appropriately enough, The Physics of NASCAR. She was there with a sort of demo of her own. We are here today with the uh, Office Depot number 14 NASCAR race car, showing people the science of motorsports and some of the stuff that applies to their own cars as well. The reason I wrote The Physics of NASCAR was a total accident, but it sort of characterizes why I'm a scientist. I happened to be clicking through channels one day, and I saw a race. And normally I would have clicked right past it. But in this case, before I could do that, one of the cars just looked like it spontaneously went into the wall. 
Now, I'm a physicist. My whole purpose in life is understanding why things happen, and I could not make sense of this. And so I started looking into it, and the more I looked into it, I realized, you know, these are the exact same things I'm trying to teach my students. And they always ask me the same thing. When am I ever going to need to know this? Well, here's an example. Almost every race team has someone with a master's degree or a PhD in physics, chemistry, engineering. Joe Gibbs Racing, for example, has a guy who's got a PhD from Stanford in aeronautical engineering. Guy who runs uh, Earnhardt Childress Racing Engines has a PhD in chemical engineering from Northwestern University. So they're very surprised at the just the, the level of technology that goes into making the cars. Deandre gave me one example of how this physics and engineering expertise comes in handy in the garage. The aerodynamics are actually, they are so impressive. So all of the teams do a lot of work with computational fluid dynamics and in wind tunnels. They use the exact same codes that they use at NASA for a space shuttle. The computational fluid dynamics goal is to make sure that the air flows over the car as smoothly as possible. Much smaller than a race car, but no less impressive, was a small cube of metal about the size of a pea at Roger Brown from the University of Maryland's booth. It floated in the air about an inch or so above what looked like a mini hockey puck frozen in liquid nitrogen. And so what we have here is a superconductor and a magnet. The magnet is suspended above the superconductor, and so you can see that if you touch the magnet, it'll spin, and then it's floating. So what's happening is that we have this superconductor, and then the magnet's field is pushing on the electrons in the superconductor, and that starts a current on the surface of the superconductor. And then that current creates a magnetic field which pushes back on the magnet, and for that reason it floats. Superconductors are a huge area of research. When a material is said to superconduct, an electric current flows through the object without any resistance whatsoever. If you start electrons moving in the metal, they'll just keep moving indefinitely. They'll keep flowing. So I think the best that they've measured is that if you start a current, it'll last for 100,000 years. So yeah, you could imagine if you were on ice skates and you pushed once, you'd just go forever around and around the circle. It's amazing that they're able to predict what can happen to a current over 100,000 years. But sometimes it's just not possible to predict something more than a few seconds away. That's what Drew Boehner from the University of Maryland had to show off at his booth. The chaotic pendulum is, is showing that uh, in, in nature you can, uh, as opposed to mathematically, you can't know precisely what a chaotic system is going to do over time. And the longer you wait, the less precise you're going to have uh, the less precise you're going to know. Boehner's setup is deceptively simple. He has two identical-looking bars side-by-side side swinging from a pivot. At the end of each bar is another bar swinging from a pivot. If you put them in identical states and let them fly uh, over a, uh, a short amount of time, they completely diverge. The motions become completely different. That's, that's showing chaos theory. Boehner lets the two go from the same height. After a second or two, each one's swinging seemingly with a mind of its own. The one on the end can can do flips back and forth, you know, over and over again, um, and 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 the motion becomes extremely interesting, very chaotic, not regular at all. I guess that just goes to show you can never predict what you'll run into at a science and engineering festival. I'll be back soon with more reports from the USA Science and Engineering Festival. You can find more of our podcasts at www.physicscentral.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>